0: Welcome to the PAXX podcast, available on Apple and Google podcasts and sponsored by Jetliner Cabin's ebook app. This is episode 63 of the show where we talk about how the airline passenger experience is evolving in a mobile, social, vocal world. I'm Mary Kirby and I'm joined by my co host, Max Flight. Max, how are you doing?
1: I'm doing really well, Mary. Yesterday, a friend of the Airplane Geeks podcast came by he flew up from Long Island in his Cessna picked me up at One Airport and we flew to another airport where we had a great lunch and then we <laughs> flew back and and then he flew on home so uh, a little bit of uh, general aviation flying for me yesterday very exciting
0: Oh hey it doesn't get much better than that Max I know I know <laughs> Well, before we get started, we'd like to thank the Jetliner Cabins e-book app for sponsoring this week's podcast. Jetliner Cabins is the story of how scientists, designers, engineers, maintenance, and marketing specialists have transformed the stark tubular interiors of typical airliners into unique settings. This e-book app invites readers to explore the expertise, discover the details, and enjoy the fascinating world of Jetliner Cabins. Visit jetlinercabins.com to learn more and to download the app.
1: All right, well, Mary, let's take a look at some of the PaxX news stories making headlines. First, the Triple Seven X is quite literally coming together. Boeing recently hit a milestone when the twin jet's major fuselage sections were joined together. They combined the nose, the midsection, the aft section. Those were all assembled in late November. Oh this is a large airplane, uh, yeah. 252-foot-long <laughs> fuselage. It's got the widest wingspan of any airplane Boeing ever built, 235 feet, 5 inches. And, of course, it has those 12-foot folding wingtips. Now, systems testing started in June, actually, of this year, 2018, in the Airplane Zero Laboratory, they call it. They have a 777X flight deck in that lab and other equipment and lets them test before ever powering up the first aircraft well the other milestone they achieved is just that power-up now this allows for functional testing before the first flight which is scheduled for 2019 and of course first deliveries in 2020 so what else does Boeing have to do Well, they need to hang the new GE 9X engines on the jet. Uh, As far as I know, they haven't been delivered yet, but uh, I'm sure that's uh, imminent. They also have to install the interior structures and install the interior. So, Mary, beyond the airframe cockpit and cabin suppliers who are working to deliver this new generation of seats and IFE and communications for the aircraft... What type of passenger experience do you think we can expect on board?
0: Well, Max, Boeing insists that the 777X is going to redefine the total passenger experience, which is a lofty claim. Mm. Uh, But the airframer isn't, of course, totally starting from scratch. It's going to draw on some of the positive pax attributes of the 787 with uh, larger windows, new lighting, and lower cabin altitude. But crucially... While the 777's external fuselage cross-section is understood to be remaining the same, Boeing revealed last year that it has managed to carve out about four inches of internal diameter to ensure a wider cabin on the 777X, and this is according to a report um, from Flight Global. So what will this mean for economy-class passengers? Well, um, it's a good news, obviously. It's a little <laughs> yeah. bit wider. Um, when I attended the Aircraft Interiors Expo in Hamburg, Zodiac Aerospace, which is now known as Saffron, of course, was showing economy seats that it has built for the 777X, and these measured exactly 17.4 inches in width, which is, in fact, a smidge wider than present-day Triple 777s. Um, So Boeing's claim is accurate. And this is a width that, in fact, a Boeing executive also shared with me a few years ago, 17.4 inches. So as our listeners know, every centimeter counts when we're talking about aircraft seats, and a slither more of width can determine if a passenger is going to fit or not. So even a slightly wider seat opens up travel to more body types. And for contrast, Airbus has suggested... Actually, quite recently, that it can offer a nine-abreast A330neo, which is, of course, its newest aircraft, with seats around 17 inches. So technically, the 777X with 17.4-inch wide seats will edge out the high-density A330neo in terms of comfort. Um, and it's of course likely that there's a lot of really clever sidewall sculpting going on in the cabin in order to achieve this. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. They're making uh, the sidewalls thinner, perhaps. Um, but I have to say bravo to Boeing for putting seat width on its radar. It kind of tells me that the airframer is realizing that passengers are paying attention to the living space afforded to them on long haul flights to the point where Max Boeing, you know, is even starting to tout the comfort aspect of the 777X. Uh, on social media and, and they. They're doing it confidently because they now know that they've got a seat that's actually a bit wider than on the uh, on the current Tenebras triple sevens, and in fact a bit wider than on 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 many seven eight sevens, of course as well. So they're they're solid in their claims, which is also always nice. <laughs> now, as you can imagine, on the in-flight entertainment front, the major IFE providers, uh, embedded IFE providers, um, which are Panasonic, TALUS and Zodiac in-flight Innovations, again, again Zodiac now owns by Saffron, will be rolling out their latest and greatest systems on the 777X. And Zodiac in particular has been especially forthcoming with details about what it's calling its Rave Ultra IFE system, which will roll out on this aircraft. And it really features a rather futuristic slimline design that we haven't quite seen before in IFE. And the company describes it as, quote, utilizing a capacitive in-cell touchscreen capable of supporting multi-touch gestures, providing a comparable experience to the passenger's own mobile phones with a display that delivers brilliant 4K resolution. Hmm. And it's expected to be a lot less heavy uh, than modern-day IFE. And we've been so, we've been uh, shown some graphics and photos. We've shared them on Runway Girl Network, and it really does look impressive, Max. It's kind of like a whole new generation of IFE coming down the pike. And the 777 is going to be a perfect platform to start displaying some of this stuff.
1: Yes. Huh? Um,
0: and getting closer, of course, to, to passenger zone devices, which is what needs uh, to happen <laughs> in a big way. But to your point about the 777X setting a new standard in the cockpit, it absolutely is going to do so. So um, a couple years ago, um, Boeing selected Rockwell Collins, which is now Collins Aerospace, <laughs> trying to keep up with all the consolidation here in this Craig, industry, yes, Max, yeah. uh, to provide the touchscreen flight display for the cockpit, but interestingly, the aircraft is going to arrive with a dual SATCOM solution for cockpit communications and safety services, and that's going to support both Inmarsat Swift Broadband and Iridium Certus, which is, of course, the brand new services that is going to be offered over Iridium Next Satellites, in addition to HF Radio. So this is going to offer like a really impressive level of redundancy in the cockpit. And the cockpit stakeholders are saying that like, this is the most modern cockpit that you know, we're going to have in the world, in part because it's going to have um, higher bandwidth with these kind of dual redundant SATCOM systems that that will enable also airlines to um, improve operations and use them for operational benefits. So, of course, redundancy is a huge deal in aviation, right, Max? (laughs) (laughs) I mean it's just you, you got to do it, right? And and especially now in a kind of a modern world, uh it seems like the more the merrier in when it comes to connectivity. Why traditionally historically why is redundancy such a big deal?
1: Well, there are a lot of reasons. There can be a lot of reasons. One of course is system Reliability. Uh, Sometimes uh, the systems can be ninety-five percent reliable, or ninety-nine percent reliable, or ninety-nine point nine. But but that may not be good enough. And it it could be reliability, basically, of the system in the cockpit. It could be the reliability of the uh, the central system itself. Um, That reliability is often an issue. Uh, Sometimes you see mandated reliability levels, regulatory requirements for reliability. Sometimes oh, there's yeah. industry standards, right? The industry itself says, well, we're, we're going to uh, uh, recommend as a best practice a certain reliability level. And then sometimes companies themselves, the airlines themselves can uh, identify a reliability level and say, you know what, we're going we're gonna to step up to this because for whatever reason, we think that's a, an appropriate thing to do. But dual systems can also, besides reliability, affect uh, system capacity. Right? Some some uh, comms yeah. systems have greater throughput. Let's say uh, greater uh, capacity than than others, uh, and you also need to look at future requirements in future technology. Uh, one thing you want to try to avoid, of course, is uh, having a system that becomes obsolete because of other advancements in technology in that uh, communications area. Or there may be requirements, you know, read the tea leaves and uh, anticipate some future requirements. So all of those things kind of combine together. And the airline, the air framers, they have to kind of stir all those into the pot and develop a business case for uh, what seems to be the uh, most uh, appropriate approach and uh, we see what Boeing has done here with the 777X so it looks fairly forward thinking to me
0: yeah it's really exciting in that regard and of course I'd be remiss if I didn't mention the connectivity down back like broadly as we've talked discussed in the past max you know there's a big push for more satellite capacity to aircraft um, i think we're going to start seeing more natively connected IFE systems you know, whereby if you can get the passenger's eyeballs focused on the screen versus, you know, stri- trying to stream their own, uh, you know, Netflix uh, over the connectivity pipe, you're pulling some of that pressure off of that pipe. Yes. And so I think that, that we're going to start seeing that that kind of more connected IFE on the 777X, which is a really clever way to use bandwidth. Um, and also, you know, offer live channels and more dynamic content with that pipe, um, which is great. Uh, but with that said, like virtually all of the connectivity providers are now having to throw more capacity at their systems and trying to find ways of financially doing that, in, you know, and working with the airlines. Um, and of course, we're seeing a push by a lot of passengers also. They want free uh, Wi Fi, uh, just like they get at hotels and at cafes and everything else. So that's all in play. I think there's a real opportunity for some of these uh, 777X airline customers um, to set a whole new standard in terms of sex, not only with the wider seats and the better IFE, but also uh, give a better in-flight connectivity. Uh, offering. So fingers crossed, yes, Max. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed, but I'm excited for this aircraft.
1: I wonder how the user interface or, or the uh, interface methodology will play out. I mean, as, as it is now, I'm uh, constantly touching screens that aren't touch screen. And, uh, you know, I have uh, Windows systems, I have Mac systems, I have monitors, <laughs> I have tablets and phones and all these things. And it seems like I'm always kind of touching or pushing, you know using the wrong method. So uh, it it might be interesting to see how... uh, You mentioned the touchscreen technology that's developing. It' interesting to see whether a completely different sort of interface is introduced or we kind of get to some standards to make it easier to operate these things.
0: Yes. And amen to that, Max, because you do want a certain level of consistency so that you don't have to learn a whole new system every different airline you fly, right? Exactly. (laughs) Keep it easy so people can get that content right away.
1: Right. Well, next we have an interesting story. This uh, is from Saudi Arabian low-cost carrier Fly-A-Deal. And they recently conceptualized a, well, I guess I would call it a marketing stunt, <laughs> whereby the carrier claimed that passengers could fly for less by traveling where? In the cargo compartment. And they shared some videos, some pictures. They had graphics on social media. They even created serious interviews and mock customer interviews. So they were prepared for what might happen next. Jokes, abuse, banter, even criticism for the campaign. But they say they've received a phenomenal response and they've achieved talkability in countries as varied as Poland and the Czech Republic. India, Australia, and the U.S. So, ultimately, Fly a Deal revealed the truth that, well, no, passengers would not fly in cargo, uh, but they do guarantee the lowest fares in the cabin. So, Mary, we seem to be in the time where there are narratives around fake news. What do you think of this campaign by Fly a Deal? (laughs)
0: <laughs> I do have to say, Max, that there are times I'm flying, I do feel like cargo, but <laughs>
1: yeah. that's a separate matter
0: entirely. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah, I kind of want to tell a little story first. Like years ago, you might recall, Ryanair's Michael O'Leary informed the press that he was considering installing stand-up seats on board. Yes. And the news was published around the world, and many travelers believed him, and it took the dogged work of passenger-experienced journalists to debunk his claims, um, you know, learning that the challenges of certifying stand-up seats – Uh, would require a total reimagining of the cabin. (laughs) So it wouldn't be so easy as Mr. O'Leary suggested. And of course, the fact that the Boeing 737 can easily reach max capacity without resorting to these sort of 23-inch pitch stand-up seats. So I kind of thought O'Leary's approach was rather disgraceful, and I let my followers know. Um, And of course, you may recall, he also claimed to be eyeing paid toilets on board and other PR stunts. Uh, So whenever, you know, so I'm always wary, let's just say, whenever an airline basis a PR or marketing campaign on falsehoods, even if it might seem obvious to some that it's a joke. But with all of that said, I expressed some of these concerns to fly a deal uh, when it reached out to tell me about this campaign. And its chief customer and commercial officer, Sudeep Gha, I think I'm pronouncing his last name right. It's G-H-A-I. He reached out and explained that the point of the campaign was not to be misleading, but to demonstrate that Saudi Arabia, which a of course, is a very traditional, deeply conservative country, yes. is ripe for disruptive marketing. And he told me that despite the press the country regularly receives, not a lot of people are aware that 80% of the population is below 40 years of age and that people in Saudi Arabia average two mobile phones per capita, hmm. and that this is arguably the fastest growing social media market worldwide, which is kind of amazing. Um, and that's why the airline was so excited to see the memes that this campaign inspired and the traction that it received. And And he sent me an email and he said, I quote, We ran our campaign on digital platforms. We only use digital marketing. And it's why deal can move over 50% of sales via mobile devices. Can many airlines worldwide match that? And we're also able to do things here that most airlines would love to try. And here is Saudi Arabia. So... Obviously, that's a fair point, um yeah hmm. for them to be kind of stepping up in this way and doing something different. It's difficult to call out Flyadale when an Irish low cost carrier in the former Ryanair was stretching the truth <laughs> with the press years ago um in ways that I would argue were even kind of naughtier um because you know they had genuine interviews with <laughs> journalists O'Leary um but I think uh, Flyadale perhaps should have waited until April fools on this one. What are your thoughts? <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I did see this when it came out, when it started to get some press. And I, I think if you're in the aviation industry, in commercial aviation, I, I think you know from the start that this is not serious. It's right. not possible. It's not feasible. Uh, some of the artwork is, uh, uh, is interesting. I mean, there's a photograph of uh, an individual, a gentleman sitting in a, a seat in the middle of – what's represented as being the cargo compartment, but it's, you know, it's not realistic. There's just stacks of, uh, suitcases and luggage. It, it, it's not at all a real cargo compartment and he's smiling and, you know, <laughs> world's first cargo passenger class. It says starting January 1st, 2019. So, you know, it's not real if you're, you know, if you're in the industry, uh, others, others might, uh, not have the uh, that kind of knowledge to know that this is just uh, just a joke. So, I mean, I, I do have to give them credit for thinking of something original. Uh, this was certainly the first time I'd ever heard of Fly a Deal. Uh, I'm sure that there are many, many others that now know about that airline that yeah. didn't before, uh, which is mm, maybe in some ways the the objective here or was the objective of this campaign uh, but you know it's clever it's cute doesn't hurt anybody um I, I don't know if um these kinds of things will encourage you know the, the monkey see monkey do, Well, maybe that's not very charitable other airlines <laughs> potentially uh you know engaging in you know wild fantastical kinds of campaigns like this to to generate some buzz i don't know if this is a trend
0: yeah, I mean, as a journalist, Max, you know, I can say that I'd rather not see too much of this. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I get what they're doing, but yeah, it, it, when you're trying to sift through uh, what's real and what's not it, you know it helps when when you you're confident that an airline's messaging is um accurate but with all of that said and and you're absolutely right of course uh this uh cargo uh, seating um, is not something that uh, is is logical right now but there are some really interesting ideas uh, that have been proposed by uh, zodiac now saffron um mm. that uh, that would look at using cargo space in clever ways to uh, uh, provide compartments uh that could be accessed by passengers, so there 's some really interesting ideas out there, but all of it as as you know requires string- meeting stringent certification
1: uh right <laughs> standards That's a big, uh,
0: yeah. yeah it's there's some big ones so there 's some big ones, so that all needs to to happen um but uh but you 're right Fly Ideal is now on my radar whereas it was not before, so uh, in some ways. It has achieved (laughs) some of its objectives. I think a
1: success. (laughs) Yeah, and it's interesting. You mentioned the the demographics, the relatively young uh, population in Saudi Arabia, and and of course, uh, Fly a deal. uh, They fly strictly domestic flights. Correct.
0: Yeah, so they're the low cost. Yeah, they're they're billing themselves as that kind of Saudi Arabia's like true low cost carrier
1: yes, right now yeah yeah and marketing targeted at younger age groups i think it can yes. employ more you know fun and uh you know silly things like this and some of the things you see on social media in other markets where the airline's customer has a different demographic i, mean, I think you could probably go too far i mean if uh, if your airline gets the reputation for being uh, goofy and silly and Kind of crazy, uh, then passengers might start to uh, you know wonder about the seriousness of the airline, and above all right. obviously you want <laughs> you want the airline you fly on to uh, take uh, passenger safety seriously, and uh, a number of other things as well so uh, i, I don 't think that this kind of an approach works everywhere, uh, but it almost kind of leads into our our last story yes, yeah. it does. <laughs> This is from uh, Popeye's, uh, uh, which is a fast food chain. And they are having some lighthearted fun at the fact that passengers have been pushing the envelope with the types of animals they bring on board and classify as emotional support animals. So what they've done is they've launched an emotional support chicken meal for travelers <laughs> now this is just for those passing through the Philadelphia International Airport at least at this time and some are saying this is a marketing marketing genius so i mean it has some some similarities uh, the emotional support animal it's a uh, chicken is is the box that the uh, food comes in it has you know a chicken head and tail and wings and all and that's your emotional support chicken. So I think the fly deal publicity stunt, I mean, it, like we said, it got them into the press and probably with good commercial effect. The Popeye's publicity stunt also gets them in the press, uh, most likely with good commercial effect. Uh, but, mm-hmm. but Fly-A-Deal, it didn't really offend a group of people, right? Except right. maybe the terminally clueless who might have been embarrassed by it all. Uh, But Popeyes might offend, and I say might, people who have emotional conditions that cause them to rely on emotional support animals. Now, I don't know this personally, but I can imagine those who have genuine need of emotional support animals, they might be a little uneasy these days uh, with all the public mocking of extreme examples that we've seen in the press. And they probably don't enjoy the joke from Popeyes at their expense. I don't know. What do you think, Mary?
0: That's interesting, Max. I was not expecting you to say that. I'm impressed with your level of sensitivity on this issue. Well,
1: (laughs) I'm not sure how to take that. I'm (laughs) impressed. impressed.
0: No (laughs) No insult uh, meant, but that's uh, that's very... uh, progressive of you um yeah i mean i think i think you're right i think there that, that there's a very delicate balance and 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 tra- and having some fun um at the expense of passengers who for example like you say genuinely uh require emotional support it's definitely skating an edge but then on the flip side, of course, we've seen passengers skate the edge as well by offering up everything from peacocks to flying squirrels at check-in right, as emotional right. support animals. So it's trying to find that happy balance where you're being you know, sensitive to the passenger needs, but also understanding of fellow passengers and, of course, airlines, which have dealt with – some some rather kind of jaw-dropping problems with the level of emotional support animals that have been brought on board. Whether it's um, bites from dogs or defecation in the aisle from pigs, um, it's quite there's quite a litany of emotional support animal stories out there, Max. But um, you know, it's coming of course at a time when some of these airlines are even further strengthening their roles around emotional support animal carriage. Above and beyond even what you and I have discussed in the past, I mean, it was only very recently, just like a a week or two ago, that Delta said it was no longer going to allow emotional support animals on flights longer than eight hours. Right. And that emotional support animals cannot be younger than four months old. So, yeah, the timing is very, very interesting because you've got airlines cracking down further and then kind of Popeyes having a bit of sport. But this, the response on social media, from my experience, um, was kind of overwhelmingly positive. I think people saw it for what it was. Um, Popeyes having a, a, a bit of um, kind of lighthearted mm. <laughs> um, fun, but um, but yeah, but I, I do think I do also think you're right. There's, there's a definitely a line there uh, that that they're skating.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it's hard to tell. But uh, personally, here's how I feel. Really, I be, I think cardboard emotional support chickens is hysterical. I think I think it what's is. lacking today in our society is the ability to laugh at ourselves. Yeah. So I don't mind it personally. Of course, yeah. while I'm laughing, I'm not laughing at myself, so it's an easy thing to say. But hey, if if you want to send me jokes about engineers, I'm fine with that. Or <laughs> or jokes about glasses or curly hair or or even old man jokes. If it's funny, I'll laugh. <laughs>
0: Max, honestly, I, you know, I, I'm kind of with you on this insofar as things have been so serious lately, you know, it's been a rough old. Couple of years, actually, just in general, um, it, and I think that uh, a little bit of levity goes a long way. And, and perhaps more than anything, that's one of the reasons why this uh, this campaign has, has received so much positivity. Is that people just they do need a, a laugh right now, and they do heading heading into the holidays. What better time to do it with your emotional support chicken? Although. You know, I, I'm not quite sure if I want to be sitting beside the person who's eating that chicken because those types of <laughs> foods can get kind of stinky in flight, just like Taco Bell in flight <laughs> right, when yeah. someone rolls in with their burrito. But a story for another time. In any case, we are rapidly coming to a close. Um, we want to thank our listeners and our sponsor, the Jetliner Cabins ebook app. And remember, you can find us online at RunwayGirlNetwork.com and on Apple and Google Podcasts. Be sure to follow all the Runway Girl Network activity on Twitter at, at RunwayGirl. remember Remember to use the PAXX hashtag when tweeting about the passenger experience. Join in the conversation. We'd absolutely love to have you.
1: Absolutely. So we'll ask all of you to please join us again next time as we talk about the passenger experience on the PAXX podcast.
0: Take care, everyone, and happy holidays.